Please join me in Psalm 121 this morning. Psalm 121, a, a famous psalm for all of us to consider this morning, going by the title, Only God is Trustworthy. Let me read the psalm for us and we'll have a word of prayer. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. I pray this morning for myself that you would calm my heart, give me clarity of thought, help me to be clear, concise as I speak your truth, and may it be your words that flow through me and not mine. And I pray for each individual who is listening to me this morning um, that they would put aside the distractions, contemplate what is being said, and make the changes necessary so that they can leave this building this morning, all of us, change just a little bit more like Jesus Christ. We ask all these things in his name we pray. Amen. I would like for you to think of a time in your life where your trust was betrayed. Perhaps it was serious, perhaps it was comical. Mine is more of comical in nature. Uh, when about nine or ten years old, I, I grew up in Lake Benton, Minnesota, which is about five hours away from here. My dad, for 22 and a half years, was the pastor of the church. I was about nine or ten years old, and I remember one morning, uh, we had a, a, a boy about my, a couple years older than me uh, staying with us. His family uh, was separated, and so we were um, taking care of him during the week, and on the weekends he would go to his family. But he and I were making our beds, and, and we were getting ready for the day. I can't remember if it was summer or not. Maybe summer. And uh, for, for some reason, the topic, we got on the topic of who we liked. Okay. And... As a 10-year-old kid, you're starting to think about those things. You still, you still think girls are icky and disgusting, and you'd rather not deal with them, okay? But the 10-year-old kid, you go, okay, you're, you're kind of getting that idea. Okay, who would I like? Who do I not like? So he said, well, you give me who you like, and I'll give you who I like. And so I did. And it was a, a, a gal I had gone to school with back in Christian school a few years before back in Pennsylvania. And the moment I got the name out, he took off and shouted that whole name through the house. David likes all through the house, from the, from the top to the bottom. And I was so embarrassed. I wanted to go hide. There was, a, there was actually, there was a, um, my, the, my room was right next to the act, and there was a small door that you can open and go in the act. I wanted to go in and close that door and lock it forever. I was so embarrassed. I had trusted my friend who I didn't, uh, ironically had the same first name as me, with that information of who I liked. And I was so embarrassed and I was so hurt by his 
betrayal, comical as it was, of the name of the person that I liked. Well, this morning we have here in Psalm 121 a, an incident in the life of the psalmist. And we're not sure who wrote this psalm. I would like to think that it is David. Uh, but for whatever, for whatever reason, he does not give his name. We have an incident here where we have a betrayal of trust in the life of the psalmist. And the psalm itself go, takes us through a journey of who do we really trust? Who can we really trust? I mean, deep down. Who can you and I really trust? And my challenge to us this morning as we look at this perspective of trusting God, my challenge for us this morning is, is simply this, is to trust God. And I know you think that, well, that's pretty simple. Yeah, it's very simple, but it's uh, not always easy to do. Trust God. And there are four truths that I would like us to look at in these a uh, few verses that allow us to, to do that um, this morning. The first truth, uh, it comes from uh, verses 1 and 2, and it, it simply is this, God is worthy of our trust. God is worthy of our trust. The psalmist says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The, the first truth, God is worthy of your trust. Uh, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you feel, regardless of what experiences you go through, uh, God is worthy of your trust. And it's interesting the psalmist first off in this passage makes the admission that he cannot trust normal methods. Look at that phrase there, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Okay, As the psalmist is going through here, uh, he is making the perspective that he cannot trust normal methods. In, in essence, he has trusted in humanity, and humanity has failed him. That the idea of the phrase hills refers to the places of strength, uh, the places of power, where normal people go. If you go to Jeremiah 3.23, uh, the prophet uh, looks and describes the hills in very graphic terminology as places people trust in. But notice what this, uh, Jeremiah says, in verse 23 of chapter 3, Truly the hills are a delusion. The orgies are on the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. And even years later, the prophet acknowledges that hills and the hill country and the ideas of strength are all vanity. And here they symbolically refer to mankind as they look for it. And I'd like to illustrate this, and I don't, my clicker's not working for some reason, so if I can get the, the people in the back to advance. So guys, where there are trust, you go to the next slide, hopefully. Is it not working? Does it work now? Yes. Okay. All right, see, this is why I'm really excited. I want to show you this. Um, I had an experience 11 years ago uh, to go to Israel. Okay, and I don't encourage you, just a side note, if you ever have a chance to go, please go. Uh, it will blow your mind as to the, the areas of the historical events in the Bible, and it is, it is a fantastic experience. I know in about a month's time, actually at the end of this month, there's a group going from faith to Israel. So I would encourage you, please go to Israel. It, it will make the Bible come alive to you. But here's a place that we went to. This is the Valley of Elah. 
Uh, and the Valley of Elah plays a significant part in Israel's history because there was a certain battle that took place here. And it was a battle between two groups of people. One of them had a giant champion. And if you remember your Bible, let's just talk, there's a few boys and girls in this room this morning. Can you think of an instance in the Bible where an army had a giant champion and what was his name? I'm looking at the Taylor boys because they're thinking about this. What was the giant's name? Goliath. This is the story of David and Goliath. Okay? That instance where Israel comes to battle with the Philistines, Saul is king, and they come and they fight as they consistently did. This is where that battle took place. Now it's interesting to note, if you can see, thinking across that road there, those small little hills, those small little tops of earth, is where Israel was. That's where they camped. That's where their, their place of, of encampment was. So they're all over in that area. And quite frankly, right down the middle of that valley is a small stream where David got his smooth stones. So Israel's over there. Now I want you to see where the Philistines were. Okay, they are on the other side. What do you notice between Israel's campground and the Philistines? It's different. Because Israel was on the lower part of the valley, the Philistines on the higher part. So they not only have a military advantage with Goliath, they have a tactical advantage because they are on the high ground. So in a matter of speaking, from a military perspective, the Philistines should have won this battle. They, they had every advantage going through. They had the hill country. They had the places of strength and fortification. They should have won. But the truth is the Lord God of Israel is stronger than any fortification man can build. And so the psalmist says, I can't trust that. That's going to fail. So he questions where he will put his trust. If that fails, and I, I would like, again, I would like to think this is David, and perhaps he's thinking about this. If that fails, and it has, I know it has, where do I put my trust? Where do I seek help? And quite frankly, he seeks help in God. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The idea of help is to give someone support. It's used in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18, to refer to the relationship between a man and his wife as the wife is the helper, the, the encourager, the one who gives support to her husband in, in marriage and in life. That is what God does for you and me. When we put our trust in God, God is our help. He is our encourager. He is our supporter in our lives. And this God is the same one who created everything from the heavens to the earth. Just, just drop down just a few psalms to Psalm 124, verse 8. Notice there, the, the psalmist says, Our help, this is a, a psalm of David. David says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's quite interesting when you look at this verb made in the Old Testament. When God is the subject of this verb, it refers to something only God can do. So not only is God our helper, but he, he alone is, is the person who made heaven and earth. 
So you don't just have a God, like the gods of the Philistines or the gods of the Ammonites that were present in Israel at that time. You have the God. The God who alone made heaven and earth. The God who created everything out of nothing. Who spoke the earth into existence. That God is your helper. So when we come to him, when we seek him, we need to come with that perspective. Your view of God will affect how much you trust him. So this morning, do you have a high view of God? Or do you have kind of a mediocre view of God? Do you look at your life and your situation and say, I, I don't think God can help me out with that. It's just too overwhelming. Or do you, you walk over here and say, I know this situation is hard. I know it's difficult. But my God is greater. And he can help me in this situation. Whether it turns out the way I want to or not. Brothers and sisters, friends, your God, your helper, is worthy of your trust. He is so much greater than, quite frankly, we give him credit for. So the first truth as we consider this, making God our trust, is that God is worthy of our trust. Secondly, from verses 3 and 4, we need to look at the, the, the character of God is consistent. He will not let your foot be moved. Behold, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor, nor sleep. The psalmist here uh, proclaims God's continual protection. In verse 3, uh, he is in protective mode. Uh, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The idea there uh, of the word moved has the idea of to slip. It has the idea of, of tottering to the point of failing. Perhaps you can think back, for you who have been parents, or, or even now you who are grandparents, think about watching your kids growing up, and especially when they were younger, learning to walk. I know I'm experiencing this with my son a little bit. Um, you see them walking or moving towards a situation, and they start to uh, experience lack of balance. And you know that if they fall, they're going to hurt themselves. So you you're keeping an eye on them so they don't. And when they do, they make that first little step or little crawl that's going to teeter on uncertainty. You're there, right there to catch them and make sure that things are okay. Well, that's what God does for you. He watches over. He keeps you from stumbling. Secure footing means a secure position. So God keeps you secure. He makes sure that you're position in life will not be compromised. Thankful for God's protection. He is always in protective mood. And also, he is always on the job. He who keeps you will not slumber. We, we all fall asleep. We have to. We're, we're flawed human beings. We all fall asleep. But God doesn't. The picture here is a, is a guard continually on duty. Whether he's watching over a prison whether he's watching over a secure location such as a gate into a city, he's always on the job. He doesn't fall asleep. So God is not limited by human incapacities. God is so much greater and so much more magnificent as he keeps us from falling. He continually protects us. 
And you'll notice too that he's also qualified to do this for the nation. Verse 4, Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So, if you have any worries about if a great God can keep a frail human being from falling, he also watches over two or three million more people. Okay, so if he can do that, he can take care of a small speck of dust like you and me. So God is limitless when it comes to watching over those who trust him. God is not bound by human limitations or standards. He does not fail, even though we do. God is continual in his, protect, in his character. He is the one we can trust. Brothers and sisters, are you doing that this morning? Are you trusting in the consistent character of your God? God is not like us. We were talking this morning in college and career, we're looking at the study on character of the kings. And I prerequisited the study with a look at why Israel wanted a king. And if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 8, they wanted a king because they wanted to be like the nations around them. But they wanted somebody who could fight for them and be their judge and make decisions for them. Well, that was something God was already doing. But they wanted something physical they could see and touch so they could put their trust in. A frail human being is what they chose rather than the ultimate omnipotent God. Brothers and sisters, are we putting our trust in the ultimate omnipotent God who is far above our limitations and expectations? Are you doing that in your financial life? Are you doing that in your personal life? Are you doing that in your relationships? When there's a, when there's a conflict, when there's a struggle to trust, are you remembering that the character of your God is consistent? He is always on the job. He is always watching over you. So if we're going to trust God this morning, if we're going to make that effort, we need to remember that God is worthy of our trust. The character of God is consistent. And then thirdly, from verses, from, in verse 5, the covenant-keeping God offers full protection. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. You will notice, and, and this has been mentioned before in, in many messages, I'm sure, but in your Bible, the word Lord is capitalized. Okay. Um, this is the personal name of God. This isn't just Lord as L-O-R-D, small case. This is Lord as in Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God. The God who keeps covenant regardless of whether or not those he makes covenant with keep it or fail. He is the guardian of the psalmist and therefore the only one the psalmist can trust. As Todd talked about this morning, that word keeper, the word in Hebrew, has the idea of to observe something or to keep someone from harm. It is consistently used in the Pentateuch to refer to keeping the commandments. So God is your keeper. He is the one who literally watches and observes and keeps you from harm. It's not man. It's not your husband or wife. It's not your kids that you can trust, that you can trust to keep you. It is God who is your guardian. And not only is he your guardian, he is your security. 
is the security of, of the psalmist. In Psalm 91.1, a few pages back, um, the psalmist reiterates this idea of security. In verse 1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God is your keeper. He is your shade on your right hand. The idea of the, of the right hand seems to indicate daily activity. So God is with you in the normal stuff. The day-to-day -day activities of life, God is there. He is your security. You dwell underneath his shadow. There is nothing that escapes his eye. And God is also personal in his protection. He's, he's the only one that you can trust. The psalmist acknowledges that. But he's also personal in his protection. Verse 6, the last half of verse, uh, verse uh, 5, talks about the Lord is your shade on your right hand. Okay? He is personally involved in protecting us. The, the pronoun your is singular. So he's personal. He's not just protecting a group of us. He's protecting each and every one of us. So God is personal in your protection. He's personal in mine. God just doesn't cover us with a blanket and just say, okay, everybody, you're, you're protected. No, he, he, he comes to each and every one of us. And he is involved personally in protecting us. So you have your personal guardian. People like to refer to, oh, I have my guardian angel. Oh, I've got something better. I have the almighty God. The covenant-keeping God. And he consistently provides that pre protection. Um, he is your shade. It's a participle there. It's active. It means God is consistently protecting you. He doesn't protect you one time and then not the next time. He doesn't protect you one week and not the next week. He is consistently protecting you actively every single day, every single hour. Aren't you thankful for a personal God who protects you? We do not have a God who is just up there in the clouds, sitting on a rocking chair, just wondering what he's going to do. We have a God who personally is involved in your life. Who is protecting you. He's keeping you. He is helping you through the normal activities of life. And you can trust that God. He loves you. He gave himself for you. And he personally protects you. So if we're going to be trusting God, we need to make sure that we understand these four truths, that God is worthy of our trust. His character is consistent. He offers full protection. And finally, from verses 6 through 8, we also can note this truth. There is reward for trusting in God. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. There's several things I want us to notice about uh, these rewards. Number one, the rewards from trusting God are lasting. Okay, verse six, there is, will be protection during daily life. We kind of mentioned this already. But the idea of the, the, the day and the night refers to the beginning of the day and the end of the day and everything in between. During that time, God, God protects you from experiencing the dangers of, of daily life. Now, that does not, does not mean we got, do not go through danger, but he does protect us. He, he does not remove his hand from us 
He is always there, regardless of what we face. There will be protection from moral injury. Okay, the Lord will keep you from all evil. The word evil there is, is simply put something bad. Stuff that goes wrong. Now, the psalmist does not say that God will protect you from your evil. Because there are consequences for sin. He doesn't say that that's not a pass for us to go on sinning. Romans chapter 6, right? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Okay. But this is protection from being injured in the evil of life. God will be with you even when things go wrong. Romans 8, Paul talks about this. I think it's important for us to keep this in mind. Romans 8, verses 38 and um, 39. For I am sure, I am positive, I am confident that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nor things present, nor things we are experiencing now. Nothing separates us from the love of God. There will be protection during daily life. There will be protection from moral injury. There's also personal protection. Again, notice there, your life. Your going out and your coming in. Every, every daily activity that you do, God is personally involved in it. And it's permanent. Notice the end of verse 8 there. From this time forth... And forevermore. It will not stop. It won't stop now. It won't stop two weeks from now. It won't stop f five years from now. It will not stop into eternity. God will always be there for you as your personal protector. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we have so much in store for us when we put our trust in God. Right? We, we have things that we long for. How many of us long to be protected during our daily commute to work? Right? That's all something we want. How many of us desire that we be protected during the interactions with coworkers or family members where someone might say something that might hurt us? Or someone might do something that might hurt us? Aren't we thankful that that's something we want? God offers that to all of us. God is involved in that. How many of us want to be permanently protected? We, don't, we want to make sure that our lives are secure, that we are in confidence that nothing will happen to us, not just today, but forever. That is, that is a desire of the unsaved, isn't it? You talk to unbelievers today. They, they're just so worried about their security. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and they, they want to make sure their position is secure, so they work hard to make sure everything's secure. But they are unsure of that. Why? Because they don't have God. Right? But you and I do. God gives to us what we long for. So why don't I trust him? And quite frankly, we also experience rewards that man can't offer. There is no promise that a mayor, a president, a governor, police officer, whatever, whatever position of authority you name, can offer that will match up to what God has to offer. 
The police officer can, can make sure that you are safe on the roads, but he can't protect you from an accident. The governor or the president can make laws that punish evil, but that doesn't prevent it from happening to you. Only God can do that. So again, why can't we trust him? When the psalmist looks at, at what he's writing, one cannot imagine what he's going through. But he knows there is reward for trusting in God. And those are rewards that are long-lasting and, and provide so much in store for us. We've all had our trust betrayed at some point in time. We've all had people violate that. We've all experienced a failure of trust. But this morning from Psalm 121, I hope we have seen that we can trust God. You can trust God. Boys and girls, when you're, when you're in school and, and you're trying to figure and navigate the challenges of school, and you're wondering how you're going to understand this subject or this subject, and you wonder how you're going to play this sport or do this thing, you're wondering where you can put your trust. Trust God. Moms and dads, you're wondering, and I speak to myself as a, as a new parent, you're wondering how you're going to make it with your kids. You're wondering how, uh, how things are going to turn out. You do your best and they seem to go the wrong way and you, you have to consistently bring them back and point them to the truth and back and forth and you just don't know where to turn. Trust God. You're single in this room. You're, 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 you're moving through life. You're doing your job. You're, you're wondering, you know, what, you, as a desire of your heart, perhaps you would be married one day. And, and you're thinking about those things. You're wondering, well, well, do I go this way? Do I go this way? Do I pursue this option? Do I just rest in my singleness? What, what happens? Trust God. You're in the glory years of your life. You're, you're, you're getting to, closer to heaven. You're thinking, you're wondering of, uh, how am I going to navigate failing health? How am I going to navigate uh, the challenges with my kids and grandkids as I grow older and, and things don't work like they used to? How am I going to do that? What, what decisions do I need to make? What do I need to, where do I need to go? Where do I need to turn? Turn to God. Turn to the covenant-keeping God who has promised he will always be there for you. Psalmist acknowledges that for us this morning. And I want to reaffirm to us that the truths about trusting God are firm. God is worthy of your trust. He's continuing his protection. He offers full protection, consistent in his character, and he offers reward. There's rewards for trusting in God's unfailing protection. And we can firmly believe that the unfailing God will always be trusted, trustworthy from now, from this morning at 1136 until the end of eternity. You can trust your God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. And I pray that each one of us in this room, as we think about and contemplate this truth, that we would do so from a trusting heart.
not questioning, even though that's our default, but that we would trust you in every aspect of life because you are worthy of our trust and you are so personal when it comes to protecting us. Father, may we give up our hold, our, our desire to be in control and let you take the control, take the reins as it were, and put our trust in you. We trusted you for our salvation. Now help us to trust you for the rest of our lives. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.